Before we begin, just to let you guys know, our logo artwork was designed by Nicole Anarchy and music by Taylor Paisley French. Warning, this podcast does contain spoilers for the Verse series. And welcome to the Best Damn Camp, our own verse read-along and analysis podcast that sets out to read all the books by Rick Riordan in timeline order. I'm your host Fran and welcome to the show. Sorry, I had to, I'm learning Korean at the moment. I'm trying to get as much Korean in here and there as much as possible. I basically just said hello, I'm Fran. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, yeah, today we are continuing our timeline journey with The Last Olympian. Chapter 19, we trash the Eternal City. And Chapter 20, we win fabulous prizes. As always, I have my points to focus on. So today we've got climaxes, redemption, character relationships, dodgy material, and generally what I thought of it. But to begin, here's the synopsis. The final showdown is here and the true hero is revealed through the power of friendship. With the enemy defeated, the gods receive a parenting class, as our heroes take a well-deserved prize. And that's basically the synopsis for these two chapters, and um, well, I don't have anything further to say, so, um, well, actually, that's not true. I do want to say that, obviously, in the episode show notes are links to help support the Asian community, the black community, and the trans community, who are currently undergoing huge levels of persecution and discrimination and racism and um yeah so there's just resources there to help support if you can i know there are lots of other things going on in the world and if there's anything that you think i should be um shouting out about i know there's things going on in um south america at the moment i'm not as well versed but if there's any resources that you guys want me to put in the episode show notes do drop me a line on uh at instagram at best damn camp pod um or on twitter and I'll be sure to share that in the episode show notes as well. Um, just want to put that out there before before we dive in. But yeah, let's just go right into it with chapter 19, We Trashed the Eternal City. And um, yeah, here is the overview for chapter 19. Hata. I need to stop. <laughs> the power of Olympus is failing and Kronos is destroying it all. A battle commences and Annabeth is hurt. With Nakamura choosing balance, our team faces Kronos alone. Annabeth still has faith and pushes, but Kronos hurts her. That became the last straw as Luke returns, desperate to stop Kronos. Percy has to trust in him, and trusting in Annabeth, he gives him a blade. It turns out that Luke is the hero of the story, not Percy. And that is the overview for chapter 19. So I've got a lot to say about what has gone on here. So let's just dive right on into it and talking about climax specifically. So this is kind of basically the climax of the story. Uh, we've had the face off with Kronos. Kronos has been defeated. Um, and yeah, the, the, 
Cronus is conquered and destroyed with, well, admittedly, a lot of damage left in its wake. Like, Olympus is damaged beyond, well, not beyond repair, but damaged beyond, beyond disbelief. Like, <laughs> they were trying to come in and Olympus was failing so much that the walkway across the sky to get to Olympus disappeared whilst they were on it. Thankfully, they managed to get away in time, but it was disappearing as they were going across. Like, that's how powerful and how deadly Cronus has been. What was interesting about this was that the final battle was both physical combat, but also sort of a, a mental one as well. Like, this idea that focusing on trust and faith was the more important aspect. Like, Percy had to trust in Luke and trust in Annabeth, that Annabeth knew what she was doing for Luke to, you know, destroy Kronos. Like, in the end, it wasn't a battle to the end. It was understanding and trust. I kind of really like that. It's, It's very different to what is a normal sort of final boss battle usually is. I think what was interesting is the fact that Luke plays quite a big role in this in general. Like, this is the thing that I have brought up a lot. I feel like Luke as a villain hasn't been prominent enough in the story for us to kind of have this connection to him. Which is why when he pushes through Kronos and, like, reappears, basically, and gets some semblance of power over Kronos, it's because he promised that he and Annabeth were family, that he wouldn't hurt her, and that, you know... Basically, her words are, family Luke, you promised, and that's what brings him through. And that alone like hearing that from Annabeth and realize no this is this is too much this has gone too far and taking that opportunity to basically kill himself to stop what's happening is a really really great twist because obviously what we would have been expecting going into this is that Percy is the one who is the hero in this situation he is the one who's going to defeat the bad guy who's going to kill the bad guy basically but it's not what happened at all. And in the fact that, like, the last thing that Luke says and the last thing that he wants before he dies is that no demigod is to be forgotten by the gods again. Like, he, he makes Percy promise that that never happens again. And it's kind of like a good way to summarise everything that's happened. Like, all of this happened because the gods abandoned their children. Um, so I, I like how this comes culminates for this climax the only negatives i do have is that i feel this happens really really quickly like the meeting of Kronos in battle the defeating of Kronos in battle is happening in one chapter i feel like there needed to be a little bit more build up especially considering like ethan nakamura dies in this chapter like i feel like could have been a good ending point for part of this chapter so this would be split in so this would be chapter 19 and chapter 20 but like chapter 19 would be chapter 19 and chapter 20 and in chapter 19 at where ethan falls to his death from olympus so basically the nicest way possible becoming a pancake on well not even a pancake being something on the side of the road from that height um which is awful oh my god what that's never addressed is it but that would have been a good point like the stakes have risen here like he's killed his own person like his own people are turning against him and now he's madder than ever like so all this happening in one chapter does feel a bit rushed 
But also the thing that I've said, like what I've noted before about the fact that Luke's dying words basically are, is that no demigod should ever be forgotten. And this is something I talk about a lot. That this message that demigods deserve to be treated res- with respect and, you know, be recognised by their parents and the minor gods' children should be recognised as well. It's been such a background thing that it's kind of irritating that this becomes a prominent thing in this aspect because it's not been anywhere else. Like, Percy kind of manipulates Ethan in this exact same book. Technically, like a day or two prior to this, he said to Ethan's face that maybe Nemesis deserves to not have her children recognised or deserves to not have a spot because she's the revenge goddess. Like, disrespecting nemesis and then here with ethan is like you know no she does deserve this i'm like mate literally two days ago you said she doesn't so it feels like a sudden quick like switch because he needs to use that to his advantage if that had been focused on more instead of ignored i feel like percy agreeing and saying to ethan and to luke that he'll make sure that the demigods aren't forgotten. Right now, to me, because of how little this message, like this important message of demigods shouldn't be abandoned by their godly parents, it feels really hollow, Percy saying this. And I know, and I'm going to get to in the next chapter, that's basically what he makes the gods promise. But it feels so rushed for Percy to do this because he hasn't been thinking this way. He hasn't agreed with anything literally technically only two days ago in this story i know it's probably like maybe like 10 chapters ago um actually maybe less than that i don't actually no hold on let me look at the chapter titles it i don't think it was that long ago in terms of it um oh yeah so it was literally less than that so it is two four so six chapters ago is when he said this disrespectful thing to ethan so in six chapters he's had like a sudden change of heart it just it does feel really random and hollow like a hollow gesture that does kind of randomly come in because percy clearly hasn't been believing in this this message of demigods being abandoned is so far in the background in this series in general even though that's the main reason why this war is happening that the fact that it suddenly comes to the forefront now and in the next chapter feels really unearned but that, that's just kind of the few things there that I just kind of picked up on and it's something I wanted to talk about a lot for this book but obviously I couldn't because spoilers but now I can and yeah it just yeah it just feels really unearned and kind of disappointing but I'm glad that the conversation for it has come about in this chapter I just feel it should have been there a lot more But to kind of get into the next part of things, specifically related to Luke as well, I want to talk about character relationships and in regards to that, the dodgy material that appears in this book. And that is in regards to Annabeth and Luke. Okay. I love that the promise he made to not harm Annabeth and that they would always be family and all these sort of thing comes back here. And that's kind of what breaks through to him. That's what leads to him making the right decision. That's what leads to him defeating Kronos. But, big but here. And I have, no, sorry. <laughs> serious, serious friend. He has hurt her before. 
he has caused her physical harm. In literally the Titan's curse, he forces her to hold the sky in her hands, which nearly kills her. So that just kind of vetoes this whole thing. Like it, not even, yeah, it basically undoes that whole thing because he's already done this. So why does it suddenly matter now? Like, what? <laughs> and then it gets worse because it just becomes a really creepy moment because he asks her if she loved him. And clearly it's intended in a romantic element because of her answer saying, no, I love you like a brother, but I did once think maybe, and I'm like, and then he's sort of disappointed, but accepts it, and I'm like, this man is literally a grown man. He is 22 years of age, and she is 16, maybe only 15. We don't fully know. I'm assuming 16. Why is this being said? Why is this a thing? I'm sorry, why is there a romantic element being discussed or even hinted at between a 22-year-old and a 16-year-old? Jesus Christ. If, if this moment needed to happen, what, actually no, what would have been so much better in terms of a writing situation and the very clear brother, sister, almost sort of parental because he practically raised her as well relationship here is it, it is if he'd asked her if she could ever forgive him for what he did that would have been so much better it would have worked so much better or even a reference to their friendship because yeah like i said he basically raised her he saved her life just all these sort of things so all the the, the mention of romantic love is creepy as hell and didn't like and it gets worse in some of the later books oh my god we'll get to that when i get to heroes of olympus jesus okay and yes i know she had a crush on him which don't get me started by the way on how dumb that was anyway because i'm sorry why did that need to be there why did she first it doesn't make sense because they were kind of like a miniature family I just know, it's always there, isn't it? It's just, ugh. But just in general, that still does not justify this man in his 20s asking her these things, this literal child. And to get into this grown-ass man, I want to get into redemption because this, this dip bugger of a man did not deserve to be redeemed at all i will stand by this to the day i die luke shouldn't have been redeemed i have a video on this i will put it in the episode show notes but i want to get into it here as well he started off thinking the right way i will give him that i know i've discussed this before the the, the very initial basis for why he was you know wanting to turn against the gods completely justified they freaking suck but he pushed too far. He's killed a lot of people. He's done so many awful things, such as causing physical, emotional, mental harm to anyone that he comes into contact with for his own benefit, because he can, does not justify him being seen as redeemed for doing one good thing at the end. 
Now, I know he had hints for the fact that he wasn't fully on board with everything, but he is the one who brought Kronos back to life. He is the one who did everything up to that moment. He is the one who instigated every single teeny tiny little thing. So, no. No sympathy. No sympathy at all. Um, he is an entitled little white boy. <laughs> That's all I want to say. Um, <laughs> I will say if there had been more hints of him not wanting to go this far, if he'd been less cruel for the sake of being cruel, and just actually, like I was saying before, if there was more of a focus of him wanting the demigods to be more, to be cared about, then, you know, the wanting to tear Olympus brick from brick, I kind of would have been fine with the redemption. The fact is that we aren't showing that he cares about demigods because he's killing demigods at Camp Half-Blood. So he clearly doesn't care about demigods receiving the respect they deserve. He hurts people because he can. And all these other things, like all these other things. If he hadn't have done any of that to the level that he does, I would have been more accepting of his redemption. But we don't get any of that. The fact that he has done so much harm and then in the last one m moment did one good thing doesn't justify a redemption. I will die on this hill. Um, Y'all can at me if you want to, but I ain't changed my mind. This boy did not deserve to be redeemed. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> but um, with that, let's get into chapter 20. We win fabulous prizes, and this is the overview for chapter 20. We say goodbye to Luke. The gods begin the repairs of Olympus as the demigods ascend. The wounded are tended to and our heroes are thanked by the gods. Each are granted a gift and the gods are held to a promise. No demigod will be abandoned or sidelined. Never again. Now, <laughs> this, is a, this is a good chapter, but I've got some things. I want to start off first with uh, just a small little dodgy thing that happened and it's something I've brought up previously in to do with Sea of Monsters and uh, the Clarice uh, short story that we do have. And that is the reference of parental abuse by Ares towards Clarice that is then brushed off with a smile. Um, Ares congratulates Clarice on doing a great job, smacking on her back really hard because he's proud of her. And Percy's exact words, let me get the exact quote for you actually, because, oh my god, <laughs> it is, um, here it is, wait, no, is that it? No, it's not, um, oh god, hold on, where is it? Oh yeah, Clarice marched in, still shivering from her time in the ice block and Ares bellowed, there's my girl. The god of war ruffled her hair and pounded on her on her back calling her the best word he'd ever seen. Uh, she looked pretty overwhelmed. All she could do was nod and blink, like she was afraid he'd start hitting her, but eventually she began to smile. Are you kidding me? Are you actually kidding me? You make a reference to parental abuse in a joke-like manner and then brush it off because she realises, hey, the man who's abused me isn't going to abuse me this time. Yay. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> I just, wow. 
some things like this I'm just like Jesus <sighs> there's there are seriously some things it, why is it in the last couple of chapters that the most problematic stuff begins to appear but anyway that's just the one dodgy thing that I wanted to bring up because oh my god I'm going into character relationships and this time with Annabeth and Percy I like that we have a really really beautiful parallel parallel here of Percy being offered immortality just like Annabeth was going to be offered immortality in the Titan's Curse and just like she turned it down then he turned it down here too because of her it's just it oh, I really do love it and it, it, it works really well because it shows that there's always been something there between them it's just frustrating that it took this long for the appearance of feelings but the parallel is there so I'll just shut up about it I just love that they both turned down immortality and power for one another or at least that's what it's hinted at it's not actually said which admittedly is the annoying part it's not actually said he just sees Annabeth and he's like oh my god it's just like with the titan's curse when she did that oh I'm gonna turn it down and then nothing nothing further <sighs> that's all I've got to say about character relationships um I want to talk about redemption again though and this time about the gods um other than the three gods that I say well one god so Hestia is the only valid god she is the only important she is she is the only good god but uh Hades and Dionysus get the occasional pass here and there the rest still suck but they have made the promise and honestly only Athena is in my good graces from the 12 as she's speaking out about like the, the literal truth in Percy's words like they brought this trouble to their own feet because of what they did and she agrees she's like yeah no be really screwed up here we should have done better we should have thought about this we should have recognized this sooner so she's kind of in my good graces now so she is another occasionally valid god um of course the worst of them all poseidon and zeus are the ones that have the biggest issue with it but there are souls so i'm not surprised um that's a whole in terms of their redemption they don't have one and I don't think they ever will it's going to take a lot more than them just making a promise to show their redemption um, like they caused this war now we have to see if they're going to be able to stop another one from happening um, spoiler alert probably not <laughs> um, and yeah that's kind of it in terms of this but I do want to a, a little side note in terms of redemptions um, and this is something that I just kind of realised I saw a parallel of, but in slightly different ways. Um, so, previous section, previous episode, we had Selena Beauregard, her sacrifice, her reveal of her being on the other side, um, the fact that she she knew she messed up, the fact that she sacrificed her life and like did so much. She came in, she brought help to the demigods by bringing the Ares cabin, even though she was going to die, she still fought the Draken. Um, Selina is the Black Widow in Endgame and Luke is Iron Man Selina has sacrificed herself has done so much has admitted her faults and her, uh, the screw up that she made and sacrificed her life because she knew she messed up but quote unquote now isn't the time to mourn and then we have Luke doing the bare minimum after causing all the problems 
and he gets the shroud and title hero. Um, as far as I'm aware, now this may happen next week, so I may have to bring out an apology. But as far as I'm aware, I'm just looking like a brief kind of look over. Um, yeah, I don't think Selena ever actually receives, you know, any kind of recognition for what she did. Uh, as far as I can see, her name isn't mentioned anywhere. Nope, nope, her name... Wait, hold on, was that it? Oh yeah, okay, there is one moment. There is one moment where she's mentioned, but nothing into regards of her sacrifice, nothing like this. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of peeved. Selena did a lot more, in my opinion, than Luke. Um, you know, just saying. Uh, Luke is also the reason why she was in the wrong because he manipulated and was cruel to her. Um, but he's the one who's getting the title, he's the one getting the shroud, he's the one who's, you know, all these sort of things, and then Selena is completely forgotten about. It is literally the Black Widow and Iron Man sacrifice situation. Iron Man is given a funeral, Black Widow is not. Um, and I'm still peeved about it. So, yeah. <laughs> I just want to finish off with that. Um, oh god, this episode ended up being like a analysis and then also a rant i'm really really sorry um <laughs> but um yeah that's all i have to say i think these chapters are really really good but I, like i said i've got a few complaints here and there in regard to the redemption and sort of how these things came about um i'm still not a fan of the fact that percy decided to suddenly get on board with how all demigods should be being recognized because boy you were not thinking that six chapters ago but you know whatever you are a himbo so i guess i'll let it go but other than that these were really strong chapters and i'm looking forward to see how this is going to progress how strong it's going to continue this does feel like it should be the ending but obviously it's not because we've got three more chapters left so um yeah i'm looking forward to it but the part that you guys have all been waiting for, this is this week's question of the episode that will be going up on our social media. And that is, do you believe that Luke deserved to be redeemed due to his final moment? This may be worded slightly differently on the post, but we'll see. <laughs> um, so yeah, do you think Luke deserved to be redeemed? Um, whatever the case, obviously email in if you have further thoughts, but also comment on the post when it goes up on our social media tomorrow um and yeah so that's all i have to say so thank you all for joining me for today's chapters be sure to join me next wednesday as we continue our royal universe journey to plug where you can find our podcast we are available on spotify apple podcast audio boom stitcher deezer and basically anywhere where you listen to podcasts in the meantime between episodes you can find the best damn camp on various social media our best damn camp pod on instagram and twitter if you want to email me with your own thoughts, you can email thebestdamncamp at hotmail.com and I'll read it out at the end of the show. If you want to support me making this content, check me out on Patreon at a healthy dose of Fran. Want to know more about my upcoming writing? Drop me a follow at a dose of Fran on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Again, thank you guys for tuning in. As always, I've been Fran, your own hunter, and I will see slash speak to you guys next time. Ne next Tom, next time. <laughs> and you're here, KSEO.